and welcome to Megaton Marathon. I am Evan Norwell, and I am joined today by Paul M. Davis. That's me. And Brian's Dr. Static May. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and he is the Nice. Nice. We're all yeah, so here. We're all here. We all moved. We all We're survived. All, we all survived. It's amazing. Yeah, I just want to apologize to you all for taking so long to get this one out. Um, all three of us moved, so that was that was fun. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but um, hopefully, we will move you with our wonderful thoughts on <laughs> July of Persona Five. Indeed. <laughs> um, yeah. So, just as a little context, I've been uh, I've been moving all week, uh, and then spent the. Uh, the uh, previous week with my in-laws, so I'm a, I'm a little punchy right now. I'm a little, uh, <laughs> I don't know if punchy's the right word. I'm a little Looking delirious. for a fight. No, I'm more delirious, I think, so. <laughs> uh, tomorrow I get to uh, get some plumbing done that will spend exactly as much money as I have, which <laughs> I've, I've, I've had scenarios where I had to spend more money than I have, and that's a, that's a kind of, like, crisis I can deal with. I don't know if I can handle spending exactly all the money I have, so... <laughs> That's, that's a fun problem. It, it, it's, like, it's like the guy drew up his estimate. It's like, just let me just sneak a peek at your bank statement. Oh, weird. It's got to be exactly that amount of money. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That's, that's a weird feeling. Yep. But uh, th- we'll, we'll get through it, and we'll keep talking and playing Persona games. So, And SMT games. Yeah. Uh, Paul, do you want to uh, go over real quick uh, what we talked about last time? Yeah, sure. So, in the uh, last episode, we talked about the third heist, which was of Kaneshiro, and uh, who's mob boss, um, like a really twerpy mob boss. And uh, let's see, there was a school trip where we met Goro Akechi, um, who is kind of set up as being a pleasant antagonist at this point. Um, we had, uh, our first, like, kind of formal introduction to, uh, Makoto Najima, and, um, in the, uh, kind of ins and outs of figuring out what the deal is with this mafia boss, and then going into his palace, um, Makoto, uh, joined our team, and discovered her persona. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, Ma, yeah, let's see. Uh, Kaneshiro uh, turned into a fly in the final boss fight. And he had a piggy bank that he was fighting with. And that's about it. And we beat him. And... Um, I think where we're at now, the uh, fame of the Phantom Thieves, Thieves is on the rise. Yeah, so we are now getting a little bit famous. Our, our little progress bar in loading screens shows that <clears throat> I think at this point it's around 22 to 23 percent people uh, think the Phantom Thieves aren't dirtbags. Uh, so we are on the rise. And um, yeah, so where we left off, it is around, uh, it's, it's, I, I think the, uh, okay, yeah, it's, it's July 7th is where we left off last time. Uh, Kaneshiro was all taken care of, everything is nice and wonderful, and it's time for final exams before school lets out for the summer. Oh, yes. So there's there's not actually two... 
yeah, I hope you've been studying. I hope you've been leveling your skills. Uh, because, yeah, these are... Uh, how, how'd you guys do on the exams, if y'all remember? This first exam, I only did okay. Yeah, I did not I do... Had like a, I had like a two in knowledge, I want to say, and it just it was not enough to really crack the top ten. Well, yeah. I, 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 think, I think this was the second round of exams, because you have midterms, like, basically right at the start of the game. Oh, no, then mm-hmm. I, was a, I was at about four knowledge at this point, and I did, I was uh, near the top of the class, but not top student. I think I was, like, three, in, three at knowledge in this point, and I still did not do very well, because uh, I just couldn't remember some of the answers to the questions, and like a dumbass, I didn't just go on GameFAQs and figure it and like look them up. So yeah, so let's actually talk about this. There is no reason not to use a walkthrough on these questions. I think, like, it feels because there's no, there's no reason, there's no good reason to get anything wrong. Like you know, no different event happens. So you're just like locking yourself out of bonuses for fucking up. I, you know, I think the only reason, and I have a little bit of this, where it's like, I don't know, it's like role-playing it, or pride, where I'm like, oh, come on, I gotta, I gotta remember this, I gotta know this, you know? Um, I get yeah. it, like, I get the role-playing aspect, because I, you know, I try to go in with that mindset as much as possible, but I just can't do it on exam questions, because I could just look it up. It's just, like, I have the all of humanity's information at my fingertips. <laughs> And I'm going to use it in this game about dating Japanese teenagers. <laughs> so I definitely understand that. And I think part of this might be kind of differences in how you approach games versus how, like, definitely how I approach games and maybe how Paul does too. But um, <clears throat> I know you're very much like a, you, you play games once and you are done with the game. Uh, whereas, like, Persona 4 is a game that I played over and over again, like, I honestly don't have any idea how many times I played it. Um, I probably said it in an earlier episode, but I don't remember now. But um, So part of it is I like to do one playthrough of the Persona games where I just I don't look at anything until I get like real and truly stuck. Uh, mm-hmm. Like with Strange Journey, when I was replaying that, I didn't look at a fact until the first time I said, okay, this is bullshit. And then from that point forward, it was nothing but facts. Um, with this, it's kind of the same idea, like... I, I kind of want there to be something for next time, uh, if the game like still holds my interest enough by the end of it, that I want to keep playing it. And I figured the more things like this that I didn't do 100% or I didn't do perfectly the first time around, that's just something for me to like to do a little bit better and look forward to doing next playthrough. Yeah, yeah, I kind of I kind of feel the same way. I mean, definitely with the Persona games, uh, less so with the SMT games. Um, I don't replay games very much, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know, like, especially with Persona 5, I was kind of like feeling like, you know, it's in general, it's not a very difficult game. So I was really avoiding walkthroughs, um, unless I just really got stuck, which I really got stuck in the upcoming palace. Hmm. So, um, aside from the exams, there's actually not too much that happens in uh, July uh, outside of the main dungeon event, and so we can just kind of skip ahead to uh, some of that. Uh, just so you guys know, I, I spent most of July doing uh, basically stat building. Um, I built up uh, I built up a bunch of points with um, uh, the substitute teacher that lets you uh, do things after class and uh, will craft things for you, that kind of thing. I also built up points with the doctor so I could get the level 2 SP badge, which was super, super helpful in this dungeon. 
I was spending um, my entire time building up charm so I could uh, ask Makoto out. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my focus too. Um, I think I did that until about September, honestly. So. <laughs> yeah, seriously, seriously. Yeah, I uh, I spent a long time, uh, a lot of time in the bathhouse. Yeah, at, at this point, uh, before we got to the dungeon, I'm stuck at I think level eight of the Doctor's uh, social link, and I'm basically just trying to build my charm up to level four so that I can uh, comfort her after she has been accosted by an angry uh, ex Doctor. So, oh yes. Yeah, a lot of becoming more charming to charm the weird doctor into. So, actually, I'm going to back up real quick. So, these SP patches are things you put on uh, as your accessory slot. Uh, they basically do the same thing as Invigorate on a Persona, and they give you SP at the start of every turn. Uh, they're wonderful. They extend your ability to do dungeons from being a thing where you have to constantly take breaks or spend a bunch of your free time making coffee so that you can just heal your SP in dungeons. Or you can just wear this thing and basically do them all in one shot. They um, are so essential. I would say it's yeah. worth skipping over every other upgrade for a whole dungeon just to save up the money to get four of them for your active party. Oh, Eventually, yeah. Absolutely. I just had one for everybody. But it costs, what, 50000 a pop? So it's 200000 to outfit four of your party members with it? Yeah. Which is I think that's the SP badge three, but, like, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, mean... I skipped straight to SP badge three, I guess, by the time I realized that I could get it. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think I have one, and then I skipped two and got to three. But, I mean, the thing is, and I, I don't know if we touched on this in the past, but, like, it is really hard to get, like, um, SP power-ups in this game. I mean, you can, you can make coffee, um, and you can make curry later on, but you're not going to find it. There, there are no drops. There are no, like, chests with uh, things that are going to um, replenish your SP in this game. Um, maybe there's a few, but like they're very, very few and far between. And you can't get them in the normal stores like you can in like previous Persona games. Yeah, we, we, I was thinking about this last night, and I, I want to remember this so we can talk about it a little bit more when we do an episode, uh, maybe a series wrap-up or a thing more on social links, but... It seems like there are a lot of confident links in this game and a lot of bonuses they provide that kind of set the game's difficulty and balance to be where it should have been out the gate. Uh, like like the SP, uh, the way SP is balanced in this game. I kind of feel like they made SP bad in order to have this be an unlockable rather than design it in a balanced way and then added this to be a bonus on top of that. Right. And there are a number of systems in this game where it feels like um, things are bad for you only to push you to get the social link, which, yeah, uh, this is definitely one of those. But um, uh, the, the reason I brought it up is because uh, uh, Mai in the Duckfeed Slack uh, made a joke earlier today about these being nicotine patches. And <laughs> I absolutely love the idea of these like high school kids buying nicotine patches off the shady doctors so they can stay up all night doing their dungeons. Which, yeah. I like that. You know, I had the same thought, but uh, <laughs> just just by the word of patch, you know, you know that's that's where my yeah. mind immediately goes to is nicotine patches. So, uh, but yeah, so um, there, there's not, there's not too much that happens this month month again other than the exams. But um, toward the end of the month, uh, you start to learn about Futaba. Um, you basically learn through a series of uh, kind of 
rumors surrounding your uncle. Uh, some people claim that your uncle abused this uh, this one girl. Uh, some people claim he has a daughter. And there's this weird, like, kind of confused thing where you bring up the name Futaba to him after a lot of, like, wondering and hand-wringing. And he gets super mad at you that you know that name. Well, and, so uh, you, uh, you do cross paths with her first as a, her hacker persona. Oh, yeah. As Medjid, which is, like... I mean, um, it's she's all. Yeah, it's supposed to be anonymous, but she goes by Alibaba because the anonymous group like fell out of her hands, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Medjed. Yeah, it's supposed to be anonymous. I don't know why they went for such a strange name. It just makes me think of the uh, Russian president. Oh, this is Med- Medjed. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Medvedev, I don't know, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I don't know why they couldn't have gone for a name that sounds like anonymous or has the same meaning because that's exactly what it is. Yeah, and um, yeah, so so you meet her as uh, Alibaba, and she has an avatar that basically looks like Mona's face, but if Mona got taken over by Venom from the Spider-Man comics. <laughs> This is and, true, uh, and she's contacting you, basically saying that she wants to, she, that she needs a target, that uh, she wants you to to steal somebody's heart, uh, and she gives you almost no information about who this target is, and um, you, you can kind of tell from talking to her that she knows a lot about uh, she, she knows a lot about how your stuff works more so than how anybody you've talked to before knows about how the dungeons work and changing hearts and everything. But she has tremendous gaps in her knowledge, like. She she has basically the theory behind a lot of it, but doesn't understand how any of the specifics are, is unfamiliar with your specific requirements, and doesn't really know what you're actually doing in order to change hearts. Uh, so she makes um, some pretty unreasonable demands of you uh, because uh, – and she's able to have this leverage over you because Medjed has basically contacted you saying, hey, we know you guys' identities now. Um, actually, do, do they threaten to turn over your identities or do they, do they threaten to start hurting people unless you turn yourselves in? I'm trying to remember to the beginning of this month. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So they, they threatened to start hurting innocent people, uh, the, the group Medjet, unless your team basically admits who they are, comes out into the open, and turns yourselves in. Uh, threatening to basically turn the public against the Phantom Thieves, saying, oh, see, they were just in it for themselves. Otherwise, they would have stopped us from doing this terrible thing. And you basically talk to oh, Alibaba into counter-hacking Medjet in order to get them to stop from doing that. Mm-hmm. And her ransom is that you have to hack Futaba, which you very rapidly find out Futaba is Alibaba herself. And um, Futaba is being kept by um, – what is, what is Coffee Uncle's name? I can never remember him. Sajira. Sajira, yeah. Uh, uh, so being kept in his house, uh, it's his daughter uh, from his, uh, uh, his estranged wife and – yeah, she is a shut-in uh, hacker who communicates only by text message and won't let you in her room at all. Uh, Mona managed to sneak in a couple times, but um, yeah, basically that kicks off the whole thing. Uh, she wants you to steal her own heart, uh, and she wants you to do it soon. Uh, you have a deadline of, um, I think it was mid-August, mid to steal her heart. Otherwise, Medjet will turn your details over, and Alibaba will do nothing to stop you, or nothing to stop them, unless you um, intervene and steal Futaba's heart. Um, is this a good place for me to say that, like, I don't really quite understand her motivation here? Like, 
Why is she having... Why does she want you to steal her own heart? Um, I mean, I I get that she's a shut-in and doesn't want to be a shut-in. Is that is is it as simple as that? No, it's like there's a sense she blames herself for her mother's death, but knows that it wasn't actually her fault. But she can't stop believing that that's part of it, you know? So she wants the Phantom Thieves to basically uh, convince her subconscious that she had nothing to do with her mother's death. Yeah, and, and just to give a little bit of backstory on that real quick. Um, yeah, her mom is dead, and she was basically blamed by people all around her for her mother's death. Uh, there was a lot of rumors and accusations going around, and she is pretty miserable and unhappy in general uh, at, at the start of this whole thing. And over the course of the dungeon... Um, you slowly explore and unlock these murals uh, that tell different pieces of the story. Uh, basically, that you know she was all you know she she, she grew up with her mother. Uh, there was no father anywhere in sight. Uh, he was definitely existed, but he was uh, estranged from them at that point. Um, her mother was increasingly busy with her work into some mysterious body of study. Uh, we'll get into that in just a minute. And then her mother gets tragically struck by a car. And then some men in suits show up, read a suicide note uh, written by her mother, supposedly, um, which I guess gives away the reveal here that it wasn't actually suicide, but uh, does reads the suicide note. Everybody turns and starts saying, Futaba, you did it. It was, um, it was like neonatal, what was it, postnatal depression or maternal depression. Uh, you were a terrible daughter, and so she killed herself because you were wasting her time. Aren't you a terrible girl, Futaba? Uh, basically pinning everything on you after she got hit by a car. And so she descended into this uh, deep, severe neurosis, just absolutely miserable, wanting to die and locking herself in this tomb, uh, which is appropriate. Uh, the tomb being her room, uh, which is appropriate because the palace is a gigantic pyramid in um, fantasy Egypt. Yep. So if you like uh, pyramid levels in games or uh, <laughs> desert levels in games, well... Now it's in your persona. Hey, wait, don't stop. I know you're already excited. But let me tell you, what if you also like really, really simple puzzles that t waste tons of your time, that even though you might figure out the solution immediately, still require minutes upon minutes of legwork to execute? Well, I got lots of time, Evan. How much of my time does it waste? <laughs> well, I'd say probably about 12 hours, uh, given Sorry. by how long it took me to beat that dungeon. <laughs> yeah, there's I a lot of weird... Which, like, I, I like the setting, and I like how much variety there is in like the places you go in this dungeon, but yeah, it's a yeah. pain in the ass. There, so we've been having conversations you know, with other people and each other. Um, I firmly believe Persona 5 suffers from the SMT mid-game slump. This is, uh, 4, I believe, is the saggy, like Dungeon 4 right here is the saggiest part of the gut. And man, I just wish this was like half as long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this dungeon definitely went on too long and it's it's not helped by the fact that um so there, there's there's a main dungeon, there's kind of a sub dungeon. Um we'll get into the sub dungeon in just a second, but uh the main dungeon is basically a pyramid with a central staircase uh that basically goes up a flight of stairs and then there's a locked door and a side door to another part of the dungeon. You clear the side door and then you unlock the main door again. Uh so basically you're constantly going back to this one central area and progressing little by little and there's something about the fact that the dungeon does take up so much of your time, that it is so repetitive, that the puzzles are so relatively simple, but still time-consuming to execute, 
combined with the fact that your visual indicator of progress is so minuscule. Like each time you open a door, you're only going a few more steps before another door stops your path. It, it made this whole thing feel pretty tedious to me. And every lock you encounter, every key you find, everyone has to comment on and put in their two cents. Hey, you think this key fits in that lock we saw two rooms ago? <sighs> I don't know. Where was it again? Two rooms ago. I just said that. Over <laughs> and over again. This was the first time in this game I stopped reading the dialogue. Uh, for like, I, I was reading everything up to this point. And it's sort of was like, I, I don't care. I, I don't fucking care. Yeah, you're all surprised that this that this one orb puzzle that was. Oh wow! When you hit zero, the light turns on. When you hit uh, when you hit one, the light turns on. When you hit zero, it doesn't. I wonder if that means this code that's zero and ones is a pattern of lights that we have to activate. <laughs> like, oh my god! Right. <laughs> Zeros and one—that's robot language. <laughs> oh, speaking of robot language, one thing I absolutely love about this dungeon. Uh, so it's very Egyptian-themed, uh, fantasy Egypt, uh, Egypt by way of Japan. So think like um, the sort of portrayal in Egypt that you would have seen in like Stardust uh, Crusaders, uh, the, the, the arc of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Same kind of aesthetic. Um, instead of hieroglyphics, it's like ASCII symbols. So mm-hmm. like deep ASCII symbols. And I, I just love that. Yeah. And the murals are really badass looking. They are awesome. Oh yeah, they they are a really good mixture of like aping um, ancient Egyptian art, but also you know putting you know putting that in like a contemporary context where it's like oh it's Futaba's mom being hit by a car you know but it, like it's still like portray you know it's still like you know convincingly kind of gets across that ancient Egyptian aesthetic. So oh yeah, I would give like definite thumbs up to that. I think so, my favorite one is the one where the men in suits are reading Futaba the suicide note, and it's uh, Futaba's uh, shadow, and we'll go into that in just a second, crying while three Horuses in business suits are in like business suits and like nice shoes and everything. Other than that, identical to portrayals of Horus and hier- uh, hieroglyphics, uh, just reading this note, like yeah, I, I love the bird lawyers. Yeah, totally. So totally. Futaba Shadow, since we brought it up, uh, Futaba is Shadow is dressed up like a pharaoh, like a like a pharaoh mummy. Pharaoh mummy, like her her upper chest is covered in bandages, but the rest of her is just wearing like flowy white cloth and bangles, which is a much more modest uh, getup than her actual uh, real life getup. Yeah. And uh, her shadow is kind of interesting because uh, everybody's shadow uh, displays an amount of self-awareness. Uh, like, whereas the person themselves normally doesn't know much about the other world and their motivations and everything, uh, this shadow knows exactly what's going on and basically walks right up to you at the very start of the dungeon and says, Hey, I know what you're here for. I want you to do it. Come and steal my treasure. Hurry up. Um, but kind of keeping with the theme of, like, there's a lot of stuff going on with uh, Futaba's subconscious. Every time she invites you uh, further into the dungeon, uh, there's some sort of trap or pitfall or something that just throws you for a loop. So, like, she's inviting you in, but at the same time, she's subconsciously pushing you away and trying to stop you, which is interesting. But, uh, yeah, so she sends you on the quest to uh, to capture her treasure, steal her heart, and change her ways. And uh, there, there, there's some kind of... Um, fun at the start where she's not quite sure how to do it you're not quite sure how to ask her for the information she isn't 
she doesn't exactly believe you all at first, uh, believe that your intentions are pure until fairly late in the dungeon. Uh, so even though she's telling you to steal her heart, uh, she's always super suspicious of you. Um, and yeah, the dungeon basically progresses. Um, there's a little initial area where, um, uh, before you can start the dungeon proper, uh, you have to chase down a thief that stole, um, what did he steal? Uh, a thief that stole, um, I think gems that allow you to get further into the pyramid or something like that. And you have to solve a little puzzle where if you chase him in a certain path, he runs in a certain way. And I think he always uh, takes the path on the left. And so you have to go through this maze of Egyptian-style um, streets and buildings and basically corner him and then steal the treasure that he stole from Futaba. Mm-hmm. And then once you have that, you can start tackling the dungeon proper, start doing those kind of awful colored light puzzles that we mentioned. And I don't know. I don't know if you guys want to talk about all the puzzles that are in this dungeon. I don't. I, I, but I do want to I, talk is the fact that... So, why does Persona feel the need to add these kinds of puzzles? Is it literally just to extend the length? I, I find it hard to find a justification for these variations of gameplay that are testing skills that are irrelevant to actual progression in the game. You know? Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, there's two answers to that. One, it's... These aren't randomly generated dungeons anymore so they feel like they need to create you know some kind of you know within dungeon challenges i think and um in this case uh it's like they like looked at all the shittiest uh dungeons in zelda history and we're like yeah let's pull let's pull uh, all of those ideas um, but I think, yeah, I think that, you know, now that they're not randomly generated dungeons, they were left with like a question of like, well, what, what, what do we put in them? Like, how do we populate them? Um, and then I think on the other hand, you know, it does some of the puzzles and not so much in this dun in this dungeon, but in other dungeons, do remind me sort of like a return to like SMT form, where there are definitely uh, in some of the other palaces, um, you know, kind of uh, puzzles of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Puzzles of traversal, uh, where it's like okay. You know, like, you know, if I go through this door, then it's going to fuck up this other thing. And, you know, coming off Strange Journey, some of those puzzles were seemed very familiar to me. Yeah, and there's definitely, like, a long tradition of games set in Egyptian-like settings of having, like, puzzles and riddles and things like that. I think the problem is... With a game like Persona, you, you can't count on everybody that plays your game being, like, an avid puzzle person. Uh, like, there are really good puzzle games that are challenging where you have to think about the answer and where you feel immensely rewarded for getting the solution. Uh, but not everybody likes those things. And you do kind of have, like, solving puzzles is a skill you have to build up and get good at. And I think this game, like, it, it seems like they had ambitions of having, like, satisfying puzzles where you can get through the dungeon by through more than just, like, brute force and having your numbers go up and fusing the right personas. But they definitely, it's like, ah, 
they definitely couldn't tune it to where the puzzles would be challenging enough to like most people that play it because if the puzzles get too hard they're going to be frustrating to most rpg players so yeah like it, it it's a tough line to walk like i haven't seen a jrpg with puzzles where i just thought like man that was wonderful man a plus puzzles love those puzzles everything about them wonderful added to the story added to the experience uh whereas here it I can appreciate the theming they used for some of those puzzles. Like, um, a thing I mentioned earlier with the zeros and ones, uh, it's kind of reminiscent of entering in like hex code for a, uh, for like hexadecimal code for like a color, uh, on like a web page or something. It's kind of like that, but, um, it isn't that it's not actual code and it doesn't correspond to the colors. And it's just sort of like a switch flipping puzzle where you read the instructions for how to switch which switches to activate, and then you just walk over to the other side of the room and you do the things that were written in the instructions. Like, I kind of hesitate to even call these puzzles. It's more like, here's a list of list of tasks to do before you can progress. Finish the list and then turn them in at the button. So, yeah, they, they feel imminently unnecessary here. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think, you know, like, I'm kind of a sucker for, you know, just ancient Egypt, Egyptian stuff. And one of the things that I really digged in, uh, dug about this uh, dungeon in addition to the uh, murals was, um, so Futaba is, you know, uh, the internet basically embodied. Um, and there are really, there are some cool kind of like theming and aesthetics to this that makes it stand out from other kind of like pyramid puzzle levels um, where you'll be going through like, you know, just like your standard ancient Egyptian pyramid uh, video game level. And then all of a sudden you'll get the hex codes or you'll get the, uh, you know, these paths that look like these like kind of like weird, like matrixy, like digital, like, like stepping stones and stuff like that. Um, and it's kind of a cool, like, uh, you know, contrast between, you know, very, very like high tech looking or very stylized high tech looking stuff and ancient Egyptian stuff. Yeah. Uh, so anyone have any other thoughts on, I guess the puzzles or the main dungeon before we move on to uh, sort of the lead up to the boss fight. Okay. So, <laughs> all of these dumb puzzles solved and all of these doors opened. Uh, you are now at the very last door in the dungeon. Um, this is the last thing that you... Uh, basically, this is where the game kicks you out and tells you to prepare for the uh, to send in the calling card. Uh, the very last door basically looks like Futaba's own bedroom door. And keeping in themed with the previous episodes, in order to get into that door, you have to get that door open in the real world. Uh, meaning you have to get Futaba to welcome you into her own room and uh, kind of like meet you halfway a little like you, you're, you're invading her heart in order to fix some of the problems that the hangups she has with her mother's death. But she also kind of has to do it for herself as well. Uh, like this isn't, she expects you guys to kind of do it all for her. Uh, but she definitely has to work for it as well. And, um, when you're back in the real world, uh, you meet up with her uh, at her place, and after a lengthy exchange of text messages, uh, she finally allows you in, but not all the way, uh, because she's hiding in her closet. Uh, which is, you know, that's a good time. And uh, you managed to talk her out of the closet a couple different times, and basically you kind of agree on a protocol for what happens next. Um, 
during this time, uh, while she is alone briefly, uh, she discovers the uh, the mysterious smartphone app that showed up on all your phones, the little eyeball. Uh, she discovers that, activates it, and rather than getting transported to the dungeon, her shadow just shows up in her room and says, Hey, I know what you're doing. You think you're the one that killed your mother, don't you? Well, look, those phantom thieves better steal your heart. You better be prepared to accept reality, or else I'll kill you and I'll kill them. So, the shadow makes it really clear what the stakes are here. Like, she she is interested in having Futaba fully redeemed, or she is killing everybody involved in this. And uh, up to this point, Futaba has talked pretty extensively about, like, suicide and how she deserves to die and how she's going to die soon. Um, her bedroom, like, it's covered in trash. Um, it's also covered in scientific papers and research journals and, uh, like, MRIs and CAT scans and things and, like, a lot of medical and scientific information. And around this time, you start to find out more about what her mom was looking into. Um, you, you find out that her mom wasn't just some person that was real busy with work all the time. Uh, she was researching something called, um, uh, she was, she was basically doing like paranormal research into, uh, basically the shadow world into the other world that you guys are going into in your smartphones, uh, the world of the heart and how people can, um, how people's thoughts influence the world around them and that, that secret world. So basically like a metaphysical research, kind of like, um, back in persona one where they talked about like the world that lives in, uh, that little girl's mind in, in um, uh, Maki's mind. Mm-hmm. So, or in Persona Three, uh, you get that too. But maybe that's spoiler since we haven't touched <laughs> on that yet. Yeah. But, uh, Friendship is an important theme. <laughs> and um, people uh, researching into the paranormal. Yeah, so her, her mom is a paranormal researcher, and hints are dropped very heavily uh, that the same sort of men that are causing all the problems that you guys are currently experiencing. And keep in mind, like up to this point, there's still – you have no idea what's going on with all those people that are um, like go, snapping and going crazy. Uh, you know there's somebody that's doing it, somebody uh, in black that's going around like causing these people to snap in the same way that you're changing hearts for the good. But um, you don't know too much specifics other than – it's kind of foreshadowed and hinted that whatever organization that um, that man that got you put into prison for or got you arrested for at the beginning of the game, like he seems tied up in this. And the, the kind of people that are around him in those cutscenes are also the kind of people that are telling Futaba in the flashbacks that she has around this time that your mother died. It was your fault. You're the one that did this. And this is kind of when you get the revelation that Futaba's mother was probably killed. Um and it, it, it's kind of like I, – I, I kind of love the storytelling in this part because you get a little bit of backstory f from the murals. You get a little bit – it's like twisted backstory. You get a little bit more backstory from Futaba's dialogue with her shadow. And then you go into the final boss fight. Um, incidentally, the final boss area is basically just more dungeon. Everybody's on alert. Uh, there's not as much cover. So like actually getting to the boss is a little bit harder. And uh, the boss itself is Futaba's mom, who is a massive sphinx who wants you dead and wants Futaba dead because Futaba murdered her, according to her giant sphinx mom. Um, and this is where you flash back to Futaba's perspective and she basically confronts her shadow and they have a, another dialogue where they basically say, like, you know, you're wrong. You didn't do this. And they start digging into those memories a little bit more and the shadow makes Futaba question, is this really what happened? Well, what happened next? Well, you get a scene of Futaba's mom saying, I'm so busy. This is really important. I don't have time for you right now. But 
my research, I need to finish this research, live or die. As soon as this research is done, we're going to have all these wonderful times together. I love you, daughter. You're wonderful. I would never kill myself over you, is more or less the tone they're getting across. Um, so Futaba does basically a 180 and forces herself into her own shadow realm uh, and confronts the gigantic Sphinx that up to this point you had no way of really damaging uh, because the Sphinx is flying around uh, your final boss arena. And so Futaba, do you guys have any thoughts on Futaba's persona and how that whole reveal scene goes? Oh, it's okay. Yeah, it's pretty all right. I think it's it's pretty average, right, Paul? Um, It is (laughs) the greatest persona of all time. (laughs) It is a UFO. It is the second UFO we get in this game. And I don't know if I've mentioned... I'm sure I've mentioned this, but I love UFO and UFO lore. And as soon as I saw this in the previews, I was like, this persona is going to be a... Persona 5 is going to be amazing. There's a UFO in it. <laughs> um, and ob- oddly, it's called uh, the Necronomicon, which is not something that I associate with UFOs. Huh. Yeah, and the reveal is... There's 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 a tentacle joke in the reveal, which wasn't super great, but... um, <laughs> But yeah. Uh, her, her persona is a UFO, and uh, much like... Oh, weird, sorry. Are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I started getting weird errors in Zencaster all of a sudden. Um, yeah, her, her UFO, uh, much like the um, the best power-up in all the Kirby games, uh, flies around the map and um, zaps in a ballista. Uh, and you can use the ballista. Uh, basically, this works like every other boss fight uh, up to this point. Uh, you can fight the boss, but it's kind of ineffective unless you send a party member away do the special special thing for a few turns that allows you to make the boss vulnerable. In this case, the ballista shoots her down. She crashes back down to the arena and is super vulnerable to physical attacks. So basically two or three ballista shots and a, a couple turns of wailing afterwards. Uh, yeah, that's basically all there is to this boss is just um, survive her two main attacks, which are um, uh, she does a lot of physical attacks. She inflicts uh, status ailments, uh, mostly dizzy and despair on you. Um, dizzy kind of sucks. Uh, it makes you open to a technical if you get hit by physical attacks. It also makes it so that um, you you uh, hit way less often. Uh, so it just tanks your evasion and accuracy. And despair really sucks because it basically prevents you from acting uh, with that character, drains their SP, and if you don't do anything about it and cure it within about three turns, uh, your character is just insta-killed. So... Uh, pretty nasty status effects. Um, Mona can cure uh, Dizzy, but I don't think anyone in your party can cure Despair at this point. So uh, you either have to fuse the specialty Persona for it or stocked up on healing items to survive that. But um, other than that, she does a an AoE wind attack, and she does tons of physicals. So it's basically just a matter of having the right resistances, uh, setting up the right party members, and then just surviving long enough to uh, do the gimmick enough times to uh, beat her. And she's pretty cool looking. I don't know if we've talked about this, but she's like this, you know, um, you know, kind of like businesswoman with wings that is flying around and attacking you. Yeah, she is. She is Sphinx with business lady glasses and business haircut. Yes. So didn't even register. Like I, I just got through it in one go. Like there was no friction. Uh, like they spell out her gimmick very clearly. It's not like there's anything to figure out, really. Yeah, 
Uh, it took me two tries, mostly because I had Ryuji in my party, and um, you can't actually. So this is the dungeon. This is the first dungeon. I either the first or the second where you can swap out party members uh, on the main character's turn. You can't do that in this boss fight. So whoever you bring into this fight has to stick around for the entire time. Uh, Ryuji's weak. Uh, yeah, it, it could be that I was trying to do it at points in the fight where you weren't allowed to do it because um, some fights like they'll have a phase where you're not allowed to switch. Maybe. But um, yeah, I had Ryuji and it wouldn't let me switch him out, so I just sent him to the blister whenever I could because it really sucks to have him in your party when you get hit by the wind thing because two attacks from her are a little bit nasty. Three attacks in a round really suck. Fair. But uh, yeah, it, pretty straightforward fight. Got it on my second try real quick. Uh, basically just buffed up attack, uh, debuffed her defense, and hit her extremely hard whenever she came back down to the arena. Well, I pretty much got nothing left. What about you guys? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, you, you kill her. Uh, at this point, Futaba's already had her big awakening, and she realized, like, oh, I am not a dirtbag terrible daughter. I was a lovely daughter, and some men told me that, that, that my mom killed herself. And she, she basically straight up says, oh, yeah, that suicide note was bullshit. That wasn't her. That, there was no way she would have done that. And kind of not everything is fixed because her mom is still dead. But she is uh, she goes from basically despairing and uh, blaming herself to being fucking furious uh, <laughs> that, her, that her mom was killed and that they tried to make it sound like her mom hated. They, 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 they not only killed her mom, but they ruined her memory of her mom as collateral. Mm -hmm. Spoilers, you don't bring the mom back to life. <laughs> nah, I gotta save those, uh, gotta save those recarm MP for someone else. Exactly. Oh, incidentally, one thing I do love about, uh, recarm in this, uh, this game, aside from how beautiful the effect is with, like, flowers and, uh, greed or everything sprouting up is your party members don't actually die, uh, like, uh, most of them just kind of, like, hide around the corner somewhere safe, uh, which kind of solves the perennial problem of hey if you have an ability that brings the dead back to life why don't you use it at x plot point which i kind of like i thought it was just morgana really oh maybe it's just that morgana is the one that constantly dies in my party <laughs> i can see that i mean he's like he doesn't have high defense no and i mostly have him in my party because i at this point i couldn't afford sp patches for everybody mm -hmm. uh, so i was getting through dungeons by like keeping them on two or three people and then rotating people in and out and Mona I, was one of my rotatees. I kept Mona on my party until the very end. There was almost never a point where he wasn't on my party. Oh, wow. He's a, he's the best healer. I like having a good healer. At, at this point in my game, he is uh, his Medea heals way worse than my main character's Medea. So I, I, I would always use my main character for healing and then just stack more damage. Yeah, but, I, uh, I, I, was, I sort of always roll with whatever spells I find. And I just don't think... Most of the time, my main character usually had worse uh, healing magic than Mona had. So do we have final thoughts on this stretch of the game? Okay, so yeah, like, I don't have too much more to say about this dungeon. Um, I didn't hate it. Uh, some folks in the Duckfeed Slack absolutely despised it. I just thought it was kind of a waste of time. Um, I, I like the combat in this game. Uh, there are some pretty fun fights in here. Uh, there's a few enemies that aren't weak to an element, so you kind of like have Anubis. to... Uh, oh, Anubis. Anubis, yeah. yeah. This is the first time I really got big into status effects, which I really liked. Um, yeah. Uh, 
I, I fused Isis, um, not that Isis, and um, she had a really, really powerful um, forget effect. It was a high chance of forget for one enemy, and it was it was really satisfying. Like actually using something that's not just the same rotation of um, weaknesses every single round. So that was kind of cool. But aside from just having more fights, there's kind of nothing that this dungeon does that's exciting, memorable, or interesting. But um, I am excited to meet Futaba and find out more about her because she seems cool. Well, yeah, that's. I mean, that's it for me, man. I really got nothing else. Uh, Anubis is a dick. Uh, I did. Uh, it wasn't this dungeon, but the next one. I started really using my high critical moves on uh, enemies that didn't have a natural elemental weakness. So should I go ahead and wrap us up here? Yeah. So, it's been a good time. Good time it's been had by all. Uh, you know, uh, weird news. My parents uh, actually just went on a vacation to Egypt. Um, their hotel room uh, actually left these little uh, manuscripts in uh, in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs on their uh, you know their pillows uh, when they went to the, went to sleep, and they had them translated. And you'll never guess what they said, Evan. Oh, what they say. You never see a condom.